Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Biomass. We're on episode 158, I think, so we're, we're getting up there. Um, unfortunately, Bait had to go deal with some personal stuff today, and I think Jay got pulled away on something urgent, but we have uh, pulled no. in. Uh, what? Jay will be here. Oh, is he? Oh, there he is. You okay. are yeah, he I will just, be here. A little, a little too fast, yeah. This is literally so, like seconds ago. This is like breaking news. Jay will be here. Okay, so Bates off like having a party or something, having a life, whatever Bates does. But Jay will be joining us very shortly. But we did bring on two extra guests to kind of fill in the gaps here, so we'll get to them in a second. We got lots of topics to go over today: uh, some movies and stuff, a few gaming news, and we'll be discussing the drop suit progression system for Project Nova probably in the latter half of the show. But to get things rolling, let's start off with some introductions, starting at the top of the list with Sarizel. I'm Sarizel. Um, I play some uh, a lot of games. We have Blizzard, Overwatch, Heroes of the Storm, that sort of thing. Um, I used to be on this thing called the CPM for this game that nobody's ever heard of called Dust514, um, and that's it. All right, and Morgan is one of our guests. Tell us, tell us who you are and what you do. Hi, I'm Morgan Starkiller. I start. I played Dust for like since like Christmas of 2013. I got into Eve via Dust. Been playing Eve for three years since, and I'm a regular Eve Vegas now. Uh, I also tend to play fighting games and outside of Eve, which is kind of my addiction now. It's been for the past three years. Other than that, uh, I also play PS4. So check me out on there. All right, and Reload, tell us a bit about yourself. Hello, I'm uh, I'm Reload. I'm I mostly play Eve Online, really, probably like 80%. I'm on the, uh, I guess, like the CPM version of Eve, which is basically called the CSM, which is basically literally just the CPM of uh, of Eve. Other than that, I play uh, quite a lot of uh, PlayStation 4, mostly the Battlefield 1, Titanfall 2, and FPS, that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Were you a Dust player? Yes, I was, in fact, a Dust player. I played it probably... At the earlyish time, I guess, like maybe early to early to midterm, but I started to drop off uh, during the late time. But I was an avid player. All right, sounds good. And of course, I'm Pokey Draven. I help host the show. I've been writing quite a bit for the blog, so if you were eager to read some stuff, we got lots of stuff popping up in the blog. And I also run our dungeon crawl gameplay series that we're currently playing, Resident Evil Seven. Um, so me and Libby are, are hosting that. Uh, but yeah, so. We'll give Jay some time to get in here, but let's get started with some of the topics at the top of the list. Um, so, ooh, ooh, I think he's coming in here. Hold on. See, Jay, Jay confuses the hell out of us because he will change his name in the Mumble server every week, and so we're not sure if it's some random person who's wandered in or if it's actually him. So <laughs> once he once he climbs into the recording room here, we'll, we'll know for sure. Um, but, uh, Zell, so Spider-Man 3 Homecoming, or sorry, Spider-Man Homecoming trailer number three. Uh, did you see that one? Um, yeah, I did. Um, yeah, there, there are a couple things that this one kind of highlighted differently than um, the previous ones. I think the, the, the other ones probably leaned a bit more on um, Robert Downey Jr., uh, and this was, this was much more focused on, um, you know, Peter Parker himself. Um, it did go into a little bit more with the suit and what it can do. Um, and, uh, you know, I guess he's got like a, almost like a full Jarvis-esque, you know, voice computer interface thing going. Um, and a, a little bit more focus on, you know, the other the other characters in, in kind of his world, like um, MJ and, and whoever the other kid is. Yeah, it was kind of cool. They had almost like a, a Jarvis sort of heads up deal going on inside the suit. So it's almost kind of like it's got 
bits of the Iron Man suit built into the, into the, the Spider-Man suit. And it, it's, it's a lot more than what we were kind of used to in the previous films, where it was pretty much just a, you know, a teenager in spandex flying around. So it's, it's pretty interesting. So um, Jay, I assume that's you. Do you want to tell us a bit, a bit about yourself and then and kind of hop in on this one? Yeah, absolutely. Hey, this is Jason. I apologize for the late entry. It's kind of one of those uh, sort of Memorial Day kind of summer summer gigs. Uh, but yeah, I'm actually one of the purveyors here at the uh, Biomass Media Empire. And I think you're talking about Spider-Man, correct? Yes, sir. Which I have not seen. And I'm pretty interested in seeing, even though Spider-Man is not one of my big things, I'm kind of interested to see what they do with the character. Uh, Tom Holland generally gets really good reviews for his portrayal. And what I'm really interested in seeing is actually uh, Michael Keaton's take on the Vulture. Yeah, I mean, this. It, it looks. I mean, it looks good. I mean, the the, the trailers always look good, but uh, I think the direction they're taking this is a little bit different than you know what we had seen before with the other reboots of what they were trying to do with this. So, you know, tying it in with the Marvel, you know, extended universe, and actually, you know, kind of going a little deeper dive into some of the more you know details of you know the suit and the character and that sort of thing. I I feel like this is their we're actually going to get it right this time. So I'm, I'm actually pretty eager to see it, even though well, it's, I mean, you know. the, the, the Sony Spider-Man movies themselves weren't all that bad. Uh, they, right. they like the first one in particular was generally pretty solid. Um, that they, they kind of progressively got shakier after that. Uh, I, so I, I am interested to see what they do with it. A uh, couple just kind of fact was are kind of bubbling in the background between Sony and Marvel on this. So they've also announced a Venom movie. Which is you know long you know long time Marvel character generally associated you know kind of in contest with Spider Man from full full on villain to kind of anti hero type guy, uh, and Tom Hardy's going to play him, but it is not in association with MCU. It is a Sony pure production, which is is Dear kind of interesting. Boy, that's going to suck. Not the movie. It just like sucks that like Wait. won't play nice. So they're they're going to go and they're going to make an MCU Spider Man movie, and then they're going to not have. They're gonna make Random other Spider-Man. They're gonna make other Spider-Man movies still. That well, that, well, that's well, that's the thing is like that's what the that's what's not very clear. The other thing is Sony's been somewhat hedging their bets on do they continue to let Spider-Man stay operating in the MCU or not? And and I think this is one of the ones Sony traditionally like does just absolute a horrid job at this. So if they would not maybe not sell the rights back to a lot of characters because they own, I think literally about a third to 40% of the Marvel characters in terms of their, their screen rights. They could like, I don't know, lease them back or do figure something out because clearly it's Marvel, not working. Like, yeah. Marvel knows how to make, makes make Marvel movies. Sony's hit record for Marvel movies. Generally, you know, Spider-Man number one and Deadpool, and it doesn't go a lot deeper. No, it wasn't than that. Deadpool Fox though. Deadpool. No, no. Uh, Deadpool yeah, you're right. Fox. That was Fox. That was Fox. You're right. So, so that's the thing is like Marvel's properties are spread all over the place, and I know that's yeah. been a, that's been a an ongoing battle is reeling some of them back in. And what's interesting is uh, when you start looking at the Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy two, and even one for that matter. There's a lot of like really B-list or really deep cut kind of Marvel characters that have been populating back. So there's a lot of speculation that maybe uh, Marvel has been getting some of these characters slowly back. Spider-Man is probably the biggest name that, that you would attribute to that. But personally, that's what I'm concerned about is that uh, Sony just goes sideways with the the Spider-Man kind of properties. Uh, and, it won't, and it won't tie in, not necessarily even tie in, but it won't 
be in the style of the MCU movies. And that's what's crazy. If they could figure that out, they would actually, everybody would end up making more money. That's what I just blows my mind that they can't figure out. Yeah, that's pretty interesting to know if they're gonna, that they're keeping it separate like that. I mean, I guess that gives them a little more freedom in what they can do. They don't have to be, you know, linked to everything and making sure it all ties in properly. But uh, yeah, it'll be good to see if that one actually pans out as well. I, I wasn't tracking that one, but it does sound interesting. Well, yeah, it's apparently it's a real thing. I mean, it's Tom Hardy is signed. It's very public, uh, and he and he will end up being a very good uh, Venom. I think they're going to use the Eddie Brock version. Uh, I, th- he would probably fit better with, I think what they're going to do is take, there's basically two versions of Venom. There's a Eddie Brock version, which is kind of what Topher, Topher Grace did in the, uh, Spider-Man two movie. And then there's the flash Thompson version, which again, also a Spider-Man character. That's probably more updated for kind of a modern storytelling, uh, kind of vibe, you know, flash Thompson basically graduates high school, goes to college, joins the military, uh, you know, decorated war hero guy loses his legs and he gets the symbiote, which the symbiote then gives him his legs back basically. And he becomes, you know, effectively kind of winter soldier esque type guy for, I think shield actually. Um, so, so I, I think what they're going to do is take elements of both of those, uh, and build this next, uh, the next venom character. Cause it's really hard to do a venom origin story without Spider-Man because, that that is a Spider-Man story, so it'll be interesting to see what they do with it. I didn't even realize Topher Grace did Venom. Like he, yep. he like that really baffles me because wasn't he ever performing on that '70s show? Uh, yeah. Well, I, and he did a. It was basically you needed somebody who was a foil to uh, Peter Parker, Tobey yeah. Maguire, right? Yeah, to Tobey Maguire. So there, you know, and that worked pretty well. Uh, it, he wasn't necessarily bad but again it was just sort of like the downside of that whole movie yeah it wasn't bad but it was definitely meh you know the the third amazing spider-man was horrible but it's uh they've tried to do venom it was not bad uh it just it could have been better yeah it'd be good one to track and i mean this is one that's developing pretty well and and we'll be sure to watch you know the venom one and of course the the spider-man homecoming is is actually Pretty pretty imminent, so we'll we'll be looking forward to seeing how that plays out, and I'm I'm gonna go see it for sure. Uh, so another another movie that's coming out, but really light on details. This is kind of an interesting one, and it kind of plays, I think, into uh, a comment we made a couple weeks ago about how it feels like every week it's just this endless stream of superhero stuff, movies, TV shows, whatever. Um, so kind of initial reports are coming out for the next me- next X Men movie, and like, again, very little details. But they're talking to the director, and he basically said what they're going for is a horror movie, like a, like a pure horror movie that's set in the X-Men universe. There's no, um, you know, costumes. It's not, there's no like, necessarily any antagonists like that. It's it's going to be a horror film. And they said the reason is that because Fox is trying to basically make um, new X-Men films or, or series or whatever be as different from each other as possible. And I think they might be kind of seeing the writing on the wall that, this is all kind of starting to feel a little samey, you know, there's, there's just this flood of stuff. And it's like, if we get kind of got diversify now and actually start playing with some different concepts, like, Hey, what if we make a horror flick? Um, so really interesting stuff. Well, what do you guys think? The, you know, the, the thing is, this might actually be the, uh, the first, uh, like superhero genre film that I don't go see. I don't like horror movies. I have zero Maybe. desire to go see a horror movie. And if that's actually where they're going with this, I'm, I may actually pass, which would be a first. 
Yeah, I can't do horror movies either. The last time I went to see a horror movie was con- probably The Conjuring, and that one was bad because I went to see it with some friends. And okay, you know how they have like AMC theaters they have the comfy chairs with like all like that don't they're like actual recliners. Like every jump scare, my legs would go up in the air. That's how that's I can't do jump scares at all. It was to a point where I went to use the bathroom, my and I came back, and my friend was like, "Are you okay?" And it's like, "Yeah, why?" Because the curl ass bar right behind you if you peed yourself. It was really, it was really that embarrassing. Was, that's pretty savage. I'm not gonna. Lie. That's why I don't keep. That's why I don't go see horror movies anymore. Uh, I think it's. I mean, I mean, it's okay that they're trying to uh, expand out a little bit on trying to test out different waters. Um, not sure if it'll work out though. We'll soon find out. But again, I'm not a fan of horror movies either. I think some of them are like really cringy and it's just like, oh my God, please, type of deal. So not going to be a fan, but props to them for actually trying something a bit different out. This one could be a bit of a more of a raw type of X-Men movie, a bit more gory, a bit more like really in there type of deal. So we'll see, but most likely going to pass on this one now. Not a fan of horror movies. Yeah, I mean, the, one of the things Marvel's always done really well, specifically, is is the MCU has successfully done Marvel movies by taking each one as a very different, uh, almost type of movie. You know, Ant Man's a, a heist movie, and uh, um, the Winter Soldier is a you know kind of a political thriller almost. Um, and so, I, I don't think it's a surprise to see the, you know if anything, it maybe took too long for a horror movie out of a superhero genre. Obviously, Logan really wasn't a traditional superhero movie either. Um, it's just probably something I won't watch just because of the genre that it is. I, I would say I, I'm actually not necessarily opposed to taking a horror-esque, you know, like a horror genre movie and, and, and using, you know, any kind of superhero for it because the reality is there's been quite a few storylines here and there with any number of characters that are would be, you know, very much a classical horror movie um, and, and some really good ones too, like truly classical storylines. What is interesting about this is the new mutants that like it's okay. Let me, let me rephrase this. I don't like horror movies either, but I also recognize that there's a lot of, uh, you know, kind of classic storylines dotted throughout the Marvel universe or DC that does horror or has done horror very well. Uh, the new mutants though particularly this version of it with these characters in it uh is very much not that's not like the right group to have a horror movie with there are other uh characters or other teams or sets of folks in the marvel universe that it would make a lot more sense to do a horror movie with other than this one uh because I, i'm trying to in my mind th- I'm, I'm looking at the quote right here from uh, from josh boone which says uh, making a full-fledged horror movie set in the X-Men universe. There are no costumes. There are no supervillains. We're trying to do something very, very different. When you look at the characters that are in the New Mutants, that's a that's a fairly powerful group. So it makes me wonder. You're you're going to have to have a you're going to have to have somebody be the villain or the bad thing they're contending with, uh, and it's going to have to be pretty powerful, to be honest with you. Uh, so I'm kind of interested to see what they actually think they'll do with it. There's there's better ways to do, I think, a horror movie than using that group of characters. Do they specifically say it's going to be the the New Mutants, or, I th- yeah. or was it, uh, okay, okay. Well, and and 
so it's it says uh let's see casting news uh for the new mutants and then they're talking about plot details this that, and the other uh josh boone's the director uh now this is all generally it's all i think predominantly out of entertainment weekly and a couple other places which are relatively you know re- relatively good sources so that and i'm looking at the cast list and, and again you've got some and as far as in the you know marvel characters go you know some of these are pretty power hitting characters uh in terms of who, who you want to have so i would be kind of interesting to see uh how they're going to do some of this like one of them's a, a very powerful shape-shifting alien and the other one's basically got super speed and can combust uh you've got one that is basically a werewolf which is kind of interesting uh then you've got the younger sister of colossus who she's more of more of kind of a scarlet witch-esque type character uh so there there's a lot of capability here uh i'm just trying to figure out like who they're who are they going to have or what are they going to have them contend with in a horror movie yeah i think that's that's some pretty good points there i mean you it's it's very different like they said and it'll be curious to see how they actually you know handle that or when they see horror film what do they exactly mean it could be kind of a broad uh a broad description so you know it's one that we'll keep an eye on like i said the the details are pretty sparse but uh it it should be interesting since since none of us here are a fan of horror films myself included um we'll we'll have to see how we review this one if it it does come out but i'll be curious to see what they actually come up with and, and how it does since horror films typically don't do fantastic um so you know it, it's kind of iffy i mean you've got uh superhero films which usually do quite well and then you know the, you've got the horror films which usually sell but don't get great reviews so uh i'll be curious to see how they actually pull it off all right so speaking of horror and this is one that actually popped up on my radar uh yesterday actually uh so is anyone here familiar with the game castlevania it's a yep. real old game like it's yes. been going for a long time. I think 86 was the first one that came out. Uh, so Netflix has decided to fund a new cartoon anime series, whatever you want to call it, based off of Castlevania. Um, it's being uh, but, done by... Before you get into Castlevania, uh, can you actually explain what it is? I've only heard of Castlevania. All I know is some old school RPG, but what's the story? All I know is like some vampire or something, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like I said, there's, there's been so many games since it initially came out. I mean, the, the list is absolutely huge, but it, it's a lot of stuff revolving around Dracula, um, vampires, that sort of thing. People who you know, try to kill Dracula, you know, that sort of thing. Um, I, okay, I can't cool. get into all of the, all of the, uh, the, the details of the different plots there are, but um, yeah, so Netflix you, is doing... You're killing uh, me. You're what? killing me. Okay, go ahead, Ca- go ahead. Castlevania, 1986. Give me the old... Konami. It, 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 an... Oh God. Okay. <laughs> hey, right. this is now. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, showing my, I'm showing my age at this point. So, so uh, it was originally released in 1986. It follows uh, basically a vamp. A, yeah. Simon Belmont follows a vampire slayer through multiple different adventures. Uh, for the record, it's Japanese name was uh, God is Ukemajo. Devil Castle Dracula. Uh, yeah, but I, I got I know it's Ukamajo, but I can't remember the. It's Dora. Got it. I do not want to. Dora Are you googling this? I That's bullshit if you're googling this. Sadly, my that is, fir- that is so not right. <laughs> Sadly, so, my first Castlevania game was fucking Simon's Quest, and I am, and that kind of made me in. I just until like the until like this one version called Harmony and Despair came out, I just hated Castlevania. It's basically might... a side scroller. It's it, and it was it was very much what they they 
So this this game came out, and then b- the guys that put Metroid together basically wanted to take a game of that nature, but then add more of a, a discovery and puzzle puzzle building nature around it. So that's actually where the term Metroidvania came from. But okay. anyway, so yes, so Pokey, please, I, I will get off my soapbox of old yeah, school. No, games. no, go go ahead. You know better than I do. <laughs> so anyway, the the Belmonts are a vampire hunting family, monster hunting family, uh, and they've been going after Dracula on and off for quite some time. Uh, there's a ton of spinoff games, this, that, and the other. And it is, I think there was actually a, already an anime movie about this at some point. Uh, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, I thought it was in all Japanese, but yeah, but anyway, Oh wait, there was one. Uh, let's see. It was, yeah, there was an actual anime movie or a, some kind of animated movie about this at some point already. They've been talking about making a Castlevania show for, or not a show, but a movie for a long time. So yes, there's already been some of this and they do want to make an R-rated anime on Netflix. Is that right? Netflix? That, yeah. That's correct. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I've had a lot of caffeine, so it's, it's no, a thing. You're good. <laughs> you're good. No, I mean, this, this looks, we'll have a trailer up in the description, but I mean, this looks, uh, Looks pretty badass, and they, they said that yeah, it's going to be definitely um like like Jay said, it's it's R rated, it's going to be very violent, um as it would make sense for for the the subject matter, but it looks it looks pretty damn good, I gotta say, and it looks like it's done being done by um a production company called Powerhouse Animation, it's an American animation studio, um and they've done a little bit of everything, uh they've actually did they've done some trailer work for like League of Legends. Um, I know they did all the artwork and animation for uh, Final Fantasy XV and King's Tale. Um, really big, diverse portfolio. But, I mean, it's it's all over the place. But the, the animation looks really good in this one. And um, I think July 7th is when it's, it's coming. So it's actually you know, pretty wow. close here. We've got, you know, uh, a little over two months here. So I, I'm actually a little uh, over a month. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah, I'll definitely give it a watch. Uh, the, the people who are doing a powerhouse, a powerhouse animation, it does look like they've, had quite a lot of experience in doing this type of stuff, so I feel confident that Netflix uh, not gonna fuck this one up. And I might actually watch it. I'm definitely gonna watch it. Yeah. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff that me and my brother like to watch. So we we that popped up, and he's like, "Oh, this looks cool," and I'm like, "Holy shit, it's Castlevania!" I'm like, "Yeah, we're <laughs> watching that. Like, that looks badass." So you know, it's 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 a really long running series. Um, lots of cool stuff. So yeah, that should be that should be pretty cool to see. All right, so moving along into some more game related news. Uh. Far Cry 5 dropped a trailer, and uh, this one's gonna be this one's gonna be a story, I think, for for some time to come. So, if you're familiar with the Far Cry series, usually it's protagonist A gets dropped in some remote location, surrounded by crazy people. He applies a lot of violence until he gets to escape, and you know all is well. And so you've got Far Cry 3 was like on a tropical island. Far Cry 4 was in a somewhat like a, a fictional Nepal, almost up in the mountains. Far Cry 5 is taking place in Montana. Um, So obviously the U.S., uh, state of Montana, a fictional town. But if you look at the uh, cover art alone, you kind of get the feeling this is going to have some pretty strong political undertones um, associated with it, I think at least in the U.S., uh, basically, it follows this this group. It's a church group, um, and they're kind of a doomsday sort of cult. And you know, the end is coming, so we have to reap all the souls of the people around and basically go around just terrorizing everyone and, and force them to join this church. And uh, yeah, so I think this one could either be really good if they do it well or really, really bad. Um, just 
from you know uh, the philosophy and the political standpoint, I, I I'm probably going to lean more towards it, it being bad. But what are your guys' thoughts on this? You think this is going to be pretty controversial, or or what do you think? Uh, I definitely think the the news when it comes out, or at least when there's more gameplay footage of it, or there's some more like information, I definitely think the news are going to start cracking down on it. Maybe if there's especially some like you know some undertones along there, but uh, well, they're, they're testing the waters. I think uh, I think they're definitely. I think they've already tested the waters with the trailer itself, but um, I think this—I think the game itself is going to be pretty good. I mean, I've had good experiences with Far Cry 3 and Far Cry 4 as well, and you know, I mean, we'll give it—I mean, I'll give it a chance. I mean, I'm not from America, so I—I I don't know anything the situation over there, <laughs> but I definitely—I'm definitely going to give it a go. That's for sure. Um, I think we'll give them a chance at least. Yeah, I mean it's it's gonna come kind of come down to, to people's personal feelings on it, but I just you know I yeah, just think that just the, the cover art was just like oh okay they're they're yeah, going yeah. for something here like all right we'll see there's how this one plays out. Something a bit out. different, that's for sure. It yeah, isn't usually I, like oh there's a warlord in some random remote island. It's no, it's it's basically a, an alt right Christianity type of thing in America. That's gonna turn some heads, I think. Yeah, I mean like like you said, it is the you know I, I'm not familiar with the first. Uh, uh, Far Cry 1 and 2, but I did play 3 and 4. And, and like you said, it's it's usually very generic. You're in this exotic location, and there's a warlord, and he's evil, and you know he's killing people, so do your thing. Uh, this one is quite literally you know, pretty close to home for a lot of people, especially with kind of the current political climate and a lot of the stuff that's happening. You know, it's it's going to be real, real interesting to see how this plays out. And, and like you said, when the news gets a hold of it, I think when it becomes a little more out there, um, we'll see some interesting uh, news stories pop up about this one. So, you know, it's it's one to keep an eye on for sure. All right. So, and Bates not here to groan, so I'll groan for him. Uh, Red Dead Redemption 2, uh, pretty pretty cool pretty cool thing that I've been looking forward to. I, I really, really enjoyed the first game. Um, just, just overall, really fantastic game. Uh, but the sequel, which has been long awaited, has been delayed. And uh, company stock prices took a hit in the process, um, unfortunately. But uh, basically, they just said, you know, the usual line of it's not to the, you know, the quality standards we want, so we're delaying it as long as we need to. Um, we're not too worried about getting a release window out there. We're just going to keep working on it until it's as good as we want it to be. So uh, they did release some screenshots, um, you know, take the for what it is. You know, screenshots are always a little misleading, but it does look really, really good. Uh, just a shame that we won't be getting it as soon as we had hoped. So that's, that is a shame. I mean, it's, it's Rockstar. So, you know, when, you know, if they're going to delay something, it's for good reason. Uh, I mean, Rockstar are, you know, renowned for very, pretty reasonably polished games. I mean, Grand Theft Auto 4, Grand Theft Auto 5, Red Dead Redemption 1, the list can go on. Um, so if they're going to delay it, there's obviously a good reason for it. So I'm not worried. I mean, yeah, sure, delayed, it sucks. Going to have to wait a few more months, but um, I'm I'm honestly, they can take as long as they like, really. Um, yeah, I... I no, go ahead, Boogie. Oh, no, I, I, I just kind of feel the same way. I've, I've been subjected to some games that I feel like they were pushed out to meet the deadline and, and not really properly finished. And they, they ended up being good games, but you still kind of felt this frustration of you could tell there was there was more intent that just never happened. So I'd, I'd rather wait and, and you know, get the, the full package and not have to, you know, feel like they, they rushed it and didn't do what they really wanted to do, which is just frustrating for everyone all around. Yeah, I, was, I had kind of a comment that was basically on the same theme. Um, I think some game studios, Rockstar is kind of in that upper upper varsity tier that uh, 
are very, very conscious of their image in terms of what they put out. So you, I think you, you get to a point in sort of the game, game development studio where uh, some of them are very, very interested in the product they put out. I mean, they all are, but in terms of uh, how it's received. So Rockstar is probably one of the ones where they are, they are okay with holding something back a little bit longer uh, to make sure that it hits the quality level that they want to, that they want to kind of perpetuate, particularly if they've got a really, uh, a really well-known and uh, potentially, you know, high-selling property like Red Dead. So I think that's kind of a good thing. And it would not surprise me a little bit if they're in the back of somebody's minds in the, you know, in the, in the conference room up there at Rock City, they were watching what happened with uh, uh, Andromeda when it came out, which, and when you kind of flinch that back, I think they knew what they had on their hands when Andromeda went out, that it was not going to be as good as some of the other games in that series. They went, it went out anyway. It probably, it's probably made money, but it definitely, that whole IP took a hit from that one game. Uh, so it's probably not a bad idea for them to roll back. And oh, by the way, correct me if I'm wrong, GTA 5 is still, still selling like what set a, more than 70 million copies. Uh, they're, they're doing okay. It's, it's not like they're scrambling for cash right now. Yeah, I mean, you'll, you'll take a small hit for delaying a game, but producing a bad product and releasing it's going to last a hell of a lot longer on your record just because you know, it's out there uh, rather than, you know, uh, a day or two of, of, you know, news clipping, it's going to be, you know, piles of bad reviews. And, and, you know, it's, it's more responsible, I think in the long run to actually just wait, make sure you release it, make sure it's good to go. Um, it is good that Rockstar has the ability to actually delay the release and, and do what they, the developers feel is necessary opposed to other companies, which, you know, they set this release date and they're like, by God, you better hit that release date. You know, even if you're putting a pushing a pile of flaming trash out the door, it better come out on this day. You know, so it, it's good to see that they're they're able to do that, and and I do hope for the best. It's it sucks that you gotta wait, but you know, hopefully it's worth the wait. And if it's anything like the first game, I think it will be. So I think we'll be in good shape in the long run. And yeah, Jay, like uh, GTA Five, seventy-five million copies shipped um, as of February seventh this year. So it's probably a bit higher than that, but yeah, that that's sold quite well. Uh, in other news, we've got Titanfall Two. Uh, if you have, are familiar with the Titanfall series, it's kind of the uh, you know parkour style uh, FPS game where you've got giant titans that drop in, big robots, you pod them, blow each other up. It's a lot of fun. Uh, Titanfall 2 has actually had a pretty good uh, DLC uh, pattern they've been following, where they've actually kept most of like the actual hard content as free um, and kind of kept themselves going with selling cosmetics, um, executions, which are kind of like uh, you can buy like a unique. Uh, insta-kill move. I mean, everyone gets the insta-kill move, but it's kind of a, we'll say it's like an emo. You can kind of kill the guy in a different way, like a special melee attack, that sort of thing. Um, but so they've been kind of releasing maps, game modes, all of that's been free. Uh, update coming next week. Um, my brother, who plays Titanfall 2 quite a bit, is pretty excited. Uh, it's called the Reign of, Mo Reign of the Monarch, and it's basically releasing a new Titan. That's free. Uh, new map, which I guess is a recreation of an old map from Titanfall 1, also free, and then really see some extra cosmetic stuff you can buy. But uh, it looks pretty cool. Um, I don't play much myself. It's mostly my brother's thing, but uh, it looks neat. It's kind of a new uh, take on how they're doing the Titans from the sounds of it. Uh, kind of this uh, 
you can kind of upgrade and customize as you go through the match, which is a little unique from what they're doing. So I'm kind of curious where they're going with this, but uh, trying some new concepts and hopefully it turns out to be pretty fun. So like I said, that's coming out next week. Uh, I'm guessing it's on Tuesday. I didn't get a hard date on that, but if you are uh, someone who plays Titanfall 2 or if you kind of stepped away from it and are thinking about going back, you will have some new goodies to kind of check out and try. So, uh, you know, stay tuned to that. As for other sequels, Destiny 2. So we talked a bit about this last week with uh, my qualms about the no dedicated servers comment. Um, so kind of a, a, a small update on that. Basically, what Bungie's kind of come out, they're doing damage control. So take it with a grain of salt. Basically saying that they didn't want to call it dedicated servers because it's, I guess, this hybrid of certain parts of the information is stored on the central server, and then they they use you know peer-to-peer uh, -peer services for other parts. And so to say it was a dedicated server would be inaccurate because it's not 100% dedicated. And I guess this system is kind of an evolution of what uh, Destiny 1 had, which was also kind of a hybrid system. So, you know, it's damage control. Who knows if it's, you know... I'm sure it's truthful, but we'll see if it actually is an improvement as opposed to a downgrade from the first one. Um, hopefully it's fine. You know, I, I, I hope that when the game launches, it all works fine. It's not an issue, but, uh, you know, I, I'm a little a little more cautious uh, hearing some of the language that they're, they're saying over there. Just uh, if you, you play, it, well, there's, there's always, um, there's a saying, especially in the Eve term, is never play on like either patch day or release day. And so on, on Destiny 2, I'm going to be surprised if the servers actually hold out on release day or patch day, because usually it doesn't go well for CCP. Maybe it won't go for uh, well for Bungie either. Yeah, I mean, that's a given. I mean, it's, I, I, I like to think that most people kind of understand that when something comes out that's new, um, it's going to break on the first day, and there's, there's some growing pains with that. So, you know... I, I'll allow that. I'm not going to, you know, judge a game entirely off of what it's like, you know, on launch because that's always kind of a shit show, anyways. But you know, overall, I think I, I at least I hope that it uh, it does work out well and isn't a isn't a total mess in the long run. So, uh, yeah, Destiny Two again. That's coming out later this year in September, kind of the same release schedule they've always been going with all of their expansions and stuff. So we'll keep covering that. Um, probably lots of stuff coming up uh, at E3 regarding that. I'm sure they'll they'll pimp the hell out of it. So we'll have lots to talk about uh, in the next month or so. Okay, so. Moving into kind of our Project Nova discussion, and we, we were going to discuss this last week, but we were running long on time, and uh, Jay did mention it. it's something I want to talk about because uh, there is some good information on it, and I kind of want to get everyone's thoughts and, and opinions on it since we're all um, you know former Dust players here, so it is, it's a good discussion to have. So what we're going to talk about is uh, the drop suit progression system in Project Nova. And so this is information coming from CCP Rotati. Um, it's kind of part of the big compilation that we've done over on the biomass.net website. Uh, you can go there and get all the actual transcripts of what was said and whatnot. I've kind of categorized everything by topic, so you should be able to find it pretty easily. Um, but the link to it is on the front page. We'll also have it in the link to the description for this podcast. So anyways, uh, Let's get into this, and I'm going to try to explain this as clearly as I can because it is going to vary um, fairly significantly from what you are used to in Dust, um, at least at first glance. So basically, the idea is that you're not going to have what Rattati has referred to as pass-through content. And um, a good example, and we'll put it in Dust terms, is that, you know, you start playing, you get your medium frame suit, 
and then you unlock your assault frame suit and you never touch that frame suit again, that basic frame suit. For the most part, that was kind of throwaway content. You went through it and then you found something that was objectively superior and you stuck with that pretty much for the remainder of the game. So what they're trying to avoid is this content that just kind of gets thrown away because it has no purpose once you get something that's better. So that being said, the mindset you need to have kind of going into this is that there's six classes and there's only one suit per class. So you go in, you pick your assault suit, you've got your civilian assault suit. That's what it is. This is kind of the baseline. This is the, um, you know, no bonuses. It's pre-fit. So think of like the Apex suits were in Dust. It's just got all of its modules already in there. Um, and that's what it is. And so it's it's play it's playable. You know, it's not optimal, but it's enough that a new player who may not be familiar with the fitting systems and all of that with Dust or, or Eve can come in, they pick a class, they jump in a fight, they're good to go. That's kind of the, the idea is that it's when you're first playing the game, it's very straightforward, very common, very what you're used to in other games, um, which is probably good for, for new player experience because bombarding them with too much choice or explanation immediately is not great player retention. So you play that for a while, you get some ISK, you get some experience with the suits. Um, as we talked about before, you have to use something to gain experience with it. So you have to use the suit to actually get experience with, you know, uh, the assault suit. Once you get enough of that, you can upgrade it. So you you kind of spend your experience, your SP, your assault suit SP, and you spend some ISK and you upgrade it to, um, in different terminology has been thrown around, but we'll just say tech one, just so it's, it's kind of uh, clear to people who are, are familiar. Now, the Tech 1 suit is kind of the, the step above the civilian, right? You, you aren't throwing away the civilian suit. You're basically adding on to it. You're getting additional abilities, additional effects that um, are going to benefit you. And so, like I said before, uh, the suit's pre-fit. You know, it's like an assault suit. It's got, you know, let's say a shield extender, a shield booster, a damage mod, and like a capacitor recharger, whatever. It doesn't really matter. As you play with that, you are going to gain experience with the suit, you're going to gain experience with the types of modules you have fit to it, and they're going to start developing bonuses of their own. So over time, you may get a plus 10% to shield extender HP bonus, that sort of thing. Those, those kind of bonuses that you're used to, and it's going to kind of happen naturally as you um, are playing, and you'll start to unlock these bonuses because they're going to benefit the kinds of modules that you're typically going to be using on that type of suit, and Thus, it's going to kind of benefit the sort of general play style that suit's going to have. So, you know, if you're in a Sentinel, you're probably going to have a lot of, like, HP mods, resistance mods, whatever. Your bonuses are going to be for those types of modules because that's what you're most likely going to be fitting to kind of play that role. Does that make sense to everyone so far? Yeah, I think they're taking... Well, from you've, what you've described for me from that last uh, few sentences is that trying to take some ideas that they've probably borrowed from Eve and putting it into Dust because there is pr pr progression like that in EVE where there are certain ships which have bonuses to like uh, resistance and HP, while there's some ships which are more like fast and they have like bonuses towards damage and rate of fire. So I definitely think there's going to be some like progression of like suits. And um, that's how I read it anyway. Yeah, and, and I said Tech 1 because the bonuses you're getting are kind of what you would see like on a Tech 1 ship, right? Yeah. It's not really specifically for like a certain dialed-in role, but it's like, yeah, you know, basic yeah. survivability, weapons, yeah. general bonuses, right? So that's what you get. And as you kind of level up, you're going to get these bonuses. And once you get like enough of them, whatever the arbitrary number is, uh, you get the option to upgrade to Tech 2. 
So now Tech 2 is kind of like Eve. It's a little more specialized. Again, you're upgrading the suit. You're not getting rid of your Tech 1 suit. You're upgrading it to Tech 2. So you spend Drop Suit SP, you spend ISK, and you upgrade it. So at this point, you're probably wondering, well, where am I getting modules? These modules, I, I can kind of move them around in my suit, but the only ones I have are the ones that came pre-fit. And so what you do as you play a class, you get it to Tech 2, and as you're playing in, in your Tech 2 suit, instead of unlocking bonuses for the modules, you're unlocking bonuses for the suit itself, the role. So for the Assault example, let's say you start unlocking, like, uh, weapon damage bonuses, stuff that's really specific to the kind of role you're playing, uh, a little more dialed in. Um, logistics might get, you know, bonuses Rest for amount bonus. Yeah. So, something like that, right? Um, but the other side of this is that instead of your modules getting their own little bonuses, what you do is you start unlocking the ability to uh, move those modules to other classes, right? So let's say you level up your assault, you get to tech two, you've got this damage mod on it. Um, if you use your damage mod on your tech two suit enough, you can then take that damage mod and put it on your Sentinel or your Vanguard or your Scout or, or whatever you want. So the, the way that you unlock new modules is not through a centralized skill tree. There actually is no central skill tree. You unlock it by playing through the suits. You play multiple different classes. You get the tech two. You play in that, that kind of range. And that opens up the ability to, to kind of move those modules from other classes around. And that's kind of how you build your arsenal of, of what kind of modules and stuff you can actually have. Um, so... You know, like I said, civilians, very basic. Uh, you get in there, standard FPS, fair slots of class, you're good to go. Um, you know, tech one, you start kind of getting bonuses. You start to see, okay, I can kind of move stuff around in my suit. I can maybe swap this shield extender for a damage mod. You know, it's it's all the same modules I have, but, you know, I, I get to kind of customize it a little bit. And you see the bonuses and kind of what you're supposed to be doing with those bonuses. Tech two, you go, okay. Now I've, I'm seeing that I can move these modules I've worked on to other classes. And you go, okay, well, maybe I want to level up this other class, and I can kind of get some more customization out of it. So you're kind of easing people into this idea of play a bunch of different classes to get, you know, a bunch of different modules. And so you, you're starting to kind of get into that more dust-level fitting where you've got this, you know, this arsenal of, of modules or, or whatever, or gear, whatever you want to call it, Um and you've got lots of flexibility in what you're going to put on there and stuff. So, I mean, ideally, you probably want to level all the classes to get the biggest range possible. But if you want to specialize and stick to, like, you know, maybe I'm, I'm going to level just, like, assaults and vanguards. Because they're kind of similar. They're kind of the assault and the heavy assault, so to speak. Um, in, in kind of sw mix and match what they've got. Because I'm really, like, into, like, offensive play, that sort of thing. So, you know, if you want to have all the options, you got to level up everything. But if you really want to focus, you can also just kind of hardcore focus on, you know, certain suits to get the kind of modules they want and move them around, that sort of thing. Um, does this make sense so far? Absolutely. Um, yeah, um, from what you've told me on that perspective, I think the CCP are trying to reward a f more focused gameplay, more than generalized game rate. So if you want to be like, uh, they're like trying to like, once again, try to borrow some ideas from me where, it's much better to specialize in one thing than to generalize in the other because you could have, an in for example, like you could have a 200 million SP character can do like everything at a reasonably really good level. Or you can have one guy which has 5 million SP which can do one thing re like so like perfectly well. And you, if you 1v1 this 200 million SP guy, the 5 million SP guy will win because he's more specialized than the 200 million SP guy. So I think they're 
trying to uh, pursue more towards that from what I can read from that. I don't know. We'll see. I, I would say that, that going to a more fixed class system where you've got six classes and they might even have like specialized abilities that only they can use. Um, yes, in that sense that you are encouraged to really kind of dial in and tune each class to, to be very specialized in exactly what they're doing, um, especially with kind of the way the bonuses kind of evolve over time. But I would say that I think they're also encouraging people to play a bunch of different roles to kind of get a feel for how everything works. Yeah, feel out. Yeah, and then say, okay, well, I like I like kind of what this this marksman can do. Um, I don't like the frame it's on. I don't like his bonuses. I kind of like this combination of modules it has. So I'm going to move that over to, to you know my assault or my vanguard and kind of tweak that and kind of build a play style that is similar, but it fits me a little bit more. It's it's a little bit more specialized, a little more personalized for you know what each player wants to do. And it's doing so in such a way that's not like dust. And, and Eve has gotten better, I think, over the years. But like when I first started, it was kind of like, okay, here, you've got your ship or you've got your drop suit. Here's a pile of stuff. Here's a giant market full of stuff. Uh, yeah, go figure out how to fit a suit and do well. Yeah, um, that, that's, that's exactly, not, that's that's exactly exact- my situation in, uh, when I first played this. I played Eve beforehand, so I knew how to fit things. But Dust is obviously a, like a different game, but with the same sort of mechanics. So I was like, okay, then this has this bonus. So let's put all these things on it and hopefully it'll work. <laughs> exactly. And I think in a lot of cases, it, it does drive people away where they have the overabundance of choice, where they're given so many options initially that they have no idea what any of it actually means. And I think that this is kind of an approach to take it in as you're actually pretty, pretty, um, uh, pretty focused early on. You don't really have a lot of options what you can do, but then as you kind of go through the ranks, you can kind of branch out and things start overlapping and it makes a little more sense because you've been playing with the systems and it, it kind of gradually introduces you to it. So I, I think that in that level, it's actually um, really quite good for a new player experience. Now, what is nice is that, let's say you're a new player, you go through your first class, you get to tech two or whatever. Well, you've already, you've already kind of unlocked, you know, some modules. So if you say, I'm going to go try something new, I'm going to try a scout or an a infiltrator, whatever they're going to call it. You've already kind of got some of those modules uh, unlocked from your assault. So you can actually already start moving them over to your like civilian level um, infiltrator. So you're not really locked into that single fit with your second class. You actually have a little more options. So you're now more experienced. You've got more options. You, you understand how it works. They kind of let you play around with it more. They let you make a little more mistakes. They're not going to hold your hand as much, which I think is also a good approach. Yeah, I feel that's definitely a good idea to a good idea for that, that, that type of um, progression. Mm-hmm. Hey, Pokey, what were the, uh, you, you mentioned the, there are six basically class pillars that they're working on all their, so, so really the progression is based on suits pretty much entirely. Is that right? accurate? That's correct. There is no central skill tree. There's no like train the skill to get a benefit for all classes. It's you have to do things in each suit to get benefits for that suit specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what were the six classes? So there's kind of um, there's kind of like the and I say support in a very broad sense and then I say assault in a very broad sense and so there's three in the support area and three in the assault area and then you've got your three kind of weight classes within that so your light medium heavy so you got your heavy assault which is your vanguard that's kind of your uh, dust commando you've got your medium assault which is your dust assault and you've got your infiltrator which is kind of your close quarters cloaky scout sort of deal from dust. Um, you know, shotguns, that sort of thing. That's the that's the light assault. Then you've got your light support, which is uh, marksman, 
So that's what gets a light suit, sniper rifles, long range, that sort of thing. Uh, your medium support, which is like your logistics. And then you've got your heavy support, which is like your sentinel. It's the tanky defensive sort of role. Okay. I got you. And I mean, this is just what they're starting with. It's possible that they'll eventually add, um, you know, more classes, which obviously comes with potentially more modules, which can then be swapped in and out of any of your classes as you kind of progress through it. So I'm guessing, and that's by no means confirmed, is they're very focused on the six classes now, but I'm just thinking forward that if they wanted to add new modules with this system, it would make sense to kind of bake them into uh, a new class. You know, that's like a command suit or pilot suit or whatever the hell you want to go with. Um, you know, that's kind of the direction I think they might go with it. Yeah, no, I, I can I, I can see the progression of, uh, no pun intended, of their logic on this. I, I did... One of the things that does, I think, at least attracted me was it had a very, very deep uh, skills-based system that was, you know, very in, in its, you know, in its infancy, very much taking a lot of tones from Eve. Uh, I do think that when you purely go off of the suits, you you lose a little bit of that goodness. I think there's maybe a happy medium that they could strike instead of going totally away from it, uh, because I think there are some 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 general capabilities that you would want to float you over a little bit uh, at least that's that's sort of the you know you know, my my thought my thoughts on it generally in terms of uh how they do skill progressions because at the end of the day there are certain things that carry over i mean there's certain like almost like base stat modifiers and stuff like that which is very common in most rpg games that it, it's even if you cross class or you let's say you you max out your your assault class at some point, or you get it to a point where you're very comfortable with it, but you want to increase your game in some other area, having somebody start like effectively almost all the way from zero and working your way up. That's, that's a little rough. Um, now that, now this is all suit progression. My assumption then is that the weapon system progression would be similar. And, and I actually kind of like the idea of you have to do more in a given suit or weapon and that's how really how you gain xp specific to that which is pretty similar to i think how like elder scrolls does it in a few other games where if like you want to get good with a bow and arrow you keep using a bow and arrow your your xp or your your level in that weapon goes up um i kind of like that if that's if that's what they're driving it yeah the the push is definitely you have to use the thing you want to level up you can't just play one role and then dump all the SP on something else you've never touched before like you couldn't dust. So I think they're they're definitely trying to move away from that and more focused on you actually kind of have to get good at something before you can go straight to, you know, the top level, which happened a lot. You'd have people go, oh yeah, this one this one suit's really, you know, really OP right now, and then everyone would be like, oh, okay, and they drop like 6 million SP on it, and they all switch over, you know, and they've never touched it before, which it doesn't really makes sense i guess i mean i guess you could argue some weird lore mechanic or whatever who gives a shit but yeah i think that was yeah but that's more of a function of their inability to balance the game originally so but but even so i I like the idea that you actually have to you as a player have to become more familiar and and actually experience a suit or a weapon to actually have the character in game get better at it i think that's that's a pretty reasonable um design point yeah no Um, don't disagree with that at all yeah. Um, for, for weapon progression, and, and there's a little less information on this, and, and I'll do this real quick before we kind of go back to the last step of the suit progression, but um, it, it's it's similar in the sense that you have to, uh, you know, 
you have to use the weapon to actually unlock the stuff that's associated with it. Um, it's not as in depth. Like there's, I don't think there's any like specific weapon specific bonuses um, that kind of unlock that are tied to the gun. Uh, but it's like you, you you use it and then you unlock stuff like attachments. So you've got stocks, barrels, receivers, magazines, scopes, and some so of that stuff. Is, Call of Duty is, model. Yeah, I mean that's that's okay. pretty standard fare for for a lot of games now. I mean like. Uh, you know, Ghost no, yeah, no, I mean, that's exactly how COD, how COD works. So you, the more you fight with a given weapon, you level the weapon up, and then you un- and as you're and what you're really leveling to is unlocking different scopes, mags, you know, options for the weapon. Yeah, and and the key with that is it's all again they're they're trying to avoid the power creep, so it's more of a, you know you're unlocking options so it may be this magazine has more in the magazine but a slower reload something like that it's a side grade that's kind of the end goal they don't want to have this like really big power creep like dust had where it's you know it's objectively it's just it's straight up better because it's got more damage and whatever it's more of a you can kind of customize it, you can tweak it you can kind of find the mix that works for you um but at the end of the day it's whatever you come up with is not significantly better math wise than kind of what you started with it's just what works best for your play style um which is is probably best because we, we did kind of get this crazy you know big issue with you know how many tiers of suits we had in dust and and tiers of weapons and it just it got really hard to balance i think because of the the large gaps in in power creep so um that's kind of what they're doing with weapons again some of the, the attachments are swappable so it could be that you know you can only get this scope by leveling up this this rifle um but you can move it over to this other gun if you want um so again it's kind of encouraging you to try different things but then you know kind of deep dive into what you actually want to play with and, and get all of the all of the possible options and, and actually play with it the way you want to which is which is pretty neat oh and uh suits and weapons will have a skin slot so you can you know make your i'm not sure zelda be excited you can make his gun you know quaff pink if he wants to so you know that should be good yes <laughs> mm. <laughs> um okay so back to the suits real quick um so you know you you in the actual conditions for kind of finishing out uh, tech two is not really clear yet. Um, but you know, this is all kind of preliminary stages. It's all kind of subject for change. They haven't really nailed down a lot of the details yet, but you play as tech two long enough and you get to unlock, uh, the ability to upgrade to tech three, which is kind of the top tier. This is the final step. And the big point that you get at tech three is that it unlocks what's called a firmware slot on your suit. Now, uh, firmware is, We'll call it a module that goes in your suit, and it can vary. Um, it can change a bunch of different things about the suit. But the two primary things that it kind of does that they've kind of confirmed already is one, it changes your bonuses that you're getting from your Tech Two suit. So, uh, kind of an example I use. Let's say you've got on your your Tech Two assault suit, you've got like plus ten weapon damage, plus one to uh, grenade capacity, and you've got like a plus fifteen percent to your stamina recovery and capacity. Let's say you put like a LIDI uh, firmware chip into your Tech 3 Assault suit. Well, now it might change those bonuses. Instead of, you know, 10% damage, it's 5% damage. But you get like 20% of the stamina stat and like a plus 2 to the grenade and maybe some extra grenade damage. It's not going to necessarily be better on all points. It could be something fairly different. But overall, it's going to be... uh, better than the base stats uh, or the base bonuses of the suit. And the way they're kind of curbing this power creep is that when you deploy a suit into battle with this chip, this firmware in it, the chip is not lost when you die, but it is guaranteed to be consumed at the end of the fight. So 
no matter how well you play, no matter what you do, even if you never die, that consumable item is going to disappear. Um, so it's allowed to be stronger than what the base suit is is um, providing, but you know it's a guaranteed loss, it's a fixed cost for the battle, so to speak. And the way you're going to get these things is, and we'll kind of go over in depth when we actually do like a talk about uh, risk reward and, and reward structures and that sort of thing. But you're going to get these firmware chips from various means. It might be, you know, doing missions for a certain corporation to get their firmware or, you know, crafting that sort of thing. So it's it's a finite resource. It's not something you're able to go out and just buy with ISK. Um, it's something you have to earn by doing something. So, you know, you can put these in all your suits, but you better make sure you're running enough missions to keep up with your consumption rate because even if you don't die it's going away so that's kind of tech three that's the firmware system uh there there might be other consumables they've kind of hinted at that but no concrete details i'm not gonna get into that right now but um what do you guys think of the the tech three thing i mean it's it's a little different it's it's not quite what you're used to in dust but uh you know what do you guys think um i was expecting them to i mean i wasn't expecting that to be fair i was expecting them to once again borrow some uh ideas from EVE Online and have like a modular type of system where you can put the, I mean, I suppose you can put the chip, you put your chips in, but you might have like two or three different types of chips that give you type of different type of bonuses. And once you're finished with that battle, you can swap out those chips for something a bit different. So if you're running, if you want like a run, like a cloaky damage set, which has no tank, then you can be like, yeah, let's sure put put chips in for damage and put chips in for speed and uh, for speed. And or if you want to be like, oh, I want to be a tanky brawler, then you sure you can you swap out the chips and put the chips in that. But I guess with this uh, this system where you put the chips in, but they die after every um, game, that's a pretty interesting way of actually putting a spin on it. Actually, so kind of interested in what else they do with the tech 3 stuff to be honest because they're also going through um some tech 3 changes in eve as well so we'll see well and i think the tech 3 name actually kind of works because it reminded me a bit of um a bit of like the subsystems right from the tech 3 cruisers where yeah. you, you put the subsystem in or the firmware chip in this case and it would it would alter kind of you know some core bonus attributes of, of the thing and and obviously you don't not gonna have like five subsystems like you have in eve it's just one for um for the drop suit but that could just be for the sake of simplicity plus if you're going to be losing one of these after every fight they don't want to have them you know totally inundated with like five thousand different kinds of chips that you're you're swapping in and out yeah. so you know that, that that could just be a design choice for the sake of simplicity and, and the fact that you've already got all these modules you're contending with that you know you've got quite a bit of variety in what you can fit yeah, I'm just I'm totally imagining me like balling in my Tango suit right now. <laughs> there you go. Oh, and another thing that's that's kind of interesting with the the firmware is that when you do put the firmware chip in, um, it has a skin, uh, you know, like a drop suit skin associated with it that's unique to that chip. So if you want, like, uh, you put like your like, your lie dye chip in or whatever, um, it will give your drop suit like a unique lie dye skin that's like only available from like their firmware, which is kind of cool. You can overwrite it by putting a, an actual skin module in, but you know you can actually kind of visually see if you see a guy rocking this particular skin, you kind of have an idea of what what kind of bonuses he has. So that's that's kind of a cool visual indicator and and kind of a neat way to kind of tie. Um, you know, those faction looks to, you know, an actual item that's that's part of the fight. I was going to say, uh, you, could ha- you can pick out a lot of meta information just by the visuals. So, like, if he's got an assault rifle, what suit he's got, and definitely what skin he's got. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and the thing is, they 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 said they wanted to make all of the classes really visually different, so you you can take like one glance so, yeah, and know definitely. exactly what it is. It's not just here's like a Caldari assault and there's like a fatter Caldari assault and that's the heavy. You know, it's it's you look at it and you're like, I know exactly what class that guy is, and I can look at his his loadout and you can actually see, you know, he's got that kind of weapon. You might be able to see what kind of attachments he has on there if they have a visual indicator of that. Um, you know, really kind of those visual cues are actually pretty pretty good for uh, for you know risk assessment. Yeah, it'll be pretty interesting to see the um, like the matter of like what type of drop suits and stuff, and what's like the standard go-to modular fits for these uh, for different types of suits and stuff. Like much like Eve, actually. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see like the differentiates between fitting a ship in Eve and fitting a drop suit in uh, Project Nova. Yeah. And from an expandability perspective, um, with the firmware, is that even if people reach, you know, end game where they've all their, they've got like all their suits to, uh, you know, tech three or whatever, and they're kind of like maxed out on that, is that you can always add in, you know, new corporations, new NPC corporations that are offering, hey, here's this new firmware chip for this suit. Well, now that can actually that can actually change your playstyle quite a bit and actually mix things up. So, and that's that's easy to do. There's no assets involved with that. That's just, yeah, this the you know boundless creation came out with this new firmware chip for their assault class, and you plug it in, and now you're good to go with something that's you know potentially very unique to what you were playing with before. Now, you did mention something that I actually kind of wanted to touch on, and, and this one's a little sparse on details. We've kind of been poking Ritati trying to get them to be a little more clear on it, but it has to do with um, particularly how fitting works like in battle and what you can bring and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So first and foremost, there's no more editing your fit mid fight. So you can't just like go into the menu and start making new fits in the middle of the fight. Um, yeah, it's pretty cheesy. He, he, he feels that it, it kind of removes a sense of planning because you're able to adapt, you know, basically on the fly to whatever it is. And, and some people may argue that's yes. good or bad. Yes, you, know. you can. Which is exact. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> no. no, okay. Le, all right. So riddle me this. Uh, what, now I buy what he's saying, which this also again tells me that he was, you know, a very sour Nordic man that got like scoured, scoured up in many a match by people who were able to adapt faster than he could create. But all that, all, all that aside, I'll totally buy what he's saying if you can have like four or five or maybe those are unlocks like you can start with like you only get to take you you only got enough money or reputation to have like one set of drop suits you know preloaded for a battle and then yeah as you know really one of the perks that you could you could get that i would be interested in if that's where he's going with it let's say that uh hey i can have a suite of four different drop suits that i can pick pick from to change in and out of in this match that I'd be interested in as a progression uh, activity. Yeah, like but, uh, like a creative class type of deal. Well, no, no. Okay, so imagine, so imagine the fight. Like you, you're either shooting pods down or whatever. Uh, when you take your contract or whatever, you've got you've skilled up enough or you've progressed enough where you can have. Hey, look, I you know, part of my contract is you're going to have these three drop suits uh, that are preloaded in the pods, so that when you you know, beam down or you, you fly down or you do whatever you, you can select, you know, not when you're alive, but when you're dead, you know, or somewhere in there where you have more options over the course of a fight. Because one of the things that dust did really, really well was that that was tactical gameplay at its finest, where you had to continue to adapt and adapt and adapt throughout the course of a single 15 minute fight. 
that was pretty good. So I don't want to totally make that go away. You're, you're actually pretty close, Jay. Um, the plan is that you've got what's called a formation, and that's basically like, okay, the formation is you can put five different drop suits fit in it, drop suit fits into it, and that's what you get to pick from for the fight. The exact number that you can have in there, he wasn't sure. Um, that hasn't been decided yet. But the idea is that you are limited to the number of different unique fits you can actually bring to a fight. Now, your idea to actually have that be a variable where you can you earn the right or you have the ability to bring, you know, maybe just one or two, or maybe you're allowed to have six or ten or whatever. Um, and so it becomes a tactical choice of, you know, what do what do I need to bring and what do I need to coordinate with the people in my squad? Like, okay, we're only allowed to have two fits, so we need to have like a sniper. So who's gonna, who's going to bring a sniper fit? You know, that sort of thing. And then you can kind of, you know, delegate roles of who needs to bring what, so you can fill all the gaps you have in your in your squad to make sure you've actually got a good team comp. Um, I think that's kind of what he's going for is that you you actually have to kind of communicate and talk with people about who's going to bring what and what's going to make sense for what everyone else is using um and that's kind of what that formation limit is it's the max number you max number of unique fits you can bring to each fight um i don't know if there's a limit to how many fits you can make outside of that like if you can have you know 300 fits and then you get to pick five of them uh that you bring with you i think that's probably a really good way to do it because i know people are really anal about having like you know one slight difference that's a huge deal to them and they want to have a different fit for it fine whatever yeah i think i think they'll do them i think yeah I think I think that's fair, um, but actually maxing out uh, how many you can bring um, does kind of bring a level of planning to it, which I think is actually kind of cool. Um, but like you said, that's actually a good idea, like you said, Jay, to, to have it be uh, almost uh, you can make that number go higher or lower depending on the fight or your standing or anything like that. I, I do like that. That's a good idea. Yeah, I, and a, a lot of this uh, was a bit of you know that lagging reaction to. Uh, it, it, I think it's I think it's one of those where you you're it's it's all about the type what is the type of game that you want to build. So my thoughts on this actually the genesis of it was believe it or not like the bandwidth changes to to the logistics class like from Dust, uh, which was very much depending you, where you stood in that argument was very much like what role you'd like to play a lot. Uh, so what would end up happening is that. Uh, the way, good or bad, the way the bandwidth worked out is it it really, you paid a serious penalty for swapping between classes if you swap between a Logi. You really didn't pay a penalty when you were swapping from one of the other classes. Uh, but the, the reasoning behind it was they were trying to do things like limit the amount of equipment on the battlefield and all this other kind of stuff. So it does make me kind of wonder... Um, that really is where it struck a chord is like what I, what I found that I didn't realize I liked about the game was my ability through time and experience to identify a tactical situation and then apply a counter in the form of changing my role and the capabilities of that I personally brought to the fight. Now that was, and that was really, really enjoyable to a lot of people, but I, I see the need for having a little bit more shaped experience. But I think this is also somewhat driven by Ritati's. He has, and this is not a bad way, Don't it has a negative connotation, but he's got a very linear way he thinks through a, through the game, you know, when you when he describes these things. Uh, not so much like the lateral problem solving. So I understand where he's coming from. I just hope that he recognizes that there's valuable gameplay, at least on the other end of the, end of the picture. Yeah, and I mean, the main takeaway is that you're not going to be locked into one one class. It's not like you're going to spawn in as an assault and you're stuck as the assault with that one fit for the entire fight. You do have options, um, so you can adapt. It's just 
you don't get to pick from an infinite number of fits to adapt to. Um, it's going to be a little more limited than that, but that number is again up in the air. Um, I, depending on where that number you know lands, I think kind of what you're describing, Jay, that kind of the ability to react to any given situation because you understand what is necessary to you know counter it um, is good tactical gameplay. That's definitely a positive. I think if you have a very limited number of fits, what's going to it's going to come down to is that you have to coordinate with who you're squatting with, so that you've kind of evaluated. You know, this is all the possible situations that we think are going to happen, and kind of build your team as a group around. You know, how many of this particular suit do we need to counter this particular option? You know, this particular situation. Um, and so it's kind of a little more foreplanning involved, but you're going to be more reliant upon your teammates to fill in those gaps when they peer rather than having an infinite number of suits to draw from to just do it yourself. And, and that could be a good or a bad thing. I'm not really sure where I, where I stand on it quite yet. I'd have to see in practice, you know, what the actual limitations are, but it's interesting and it's something people should consider and, and give feedback on. Cause I think it is a, it is a, it is a change. It's not a massive change, but it is one that could be, pretty interesting and in, in, in change how the game actually feels and plays out. So I, I do really want people to talk about this and kind of get their, their opinions out there about, you know, the whole uh, number of fits and how many you can bring in that sort of thing. I definitely, definitely think, coming from an EVE Online standpoint, uh, at least, um, that especially in like, um, like hardcore matches or if they're ever going to do like the Faction Warfare stuff again, where if you know there's like a solid group of 10 or 15 players that always play together, you could get really, really meta, and what you could do is, you know, you can <laughs> infiltrate them or befriend them or whatevs. Um, basically, if you have an enemy team that you're also friends with, what you could do is, especially in like competitive matches, where if they, if you know they're gonna go these certain types of drop suits, so if they're running like maybe a, a, a like a really heavy full assault, where they're running like maybe five heavies, five assault, and like three logi suits or something, then you can go around to do a mass logi where the enemy team can also, you know, pseudo hard counter them by bringing, you know, a very tanky low DPS setup and just roll, just roll them type of deal. So coming from an EVE Online standpoint, I think that it could be really, really meta, but I don't think it'll come to that, that situ like that type of extreme. So. I definitely think uh, that. that was pretty common. Was that pretty common in Dust as well? Like, okay, let me put well, it, let me I'm, say, I'm not wrong. <laughs> everything, everything that you just described, I was actually like, yeah, that was actually the best parts about Dust was oh, how wow, you okay. set things up outside the game to play in the game. <laughs> yeah, I guess I, def, I guess that's uh, definitely if it's coming from a CCP or an Eve Online type of. If it's connected to Eve Online, there's going to be some sort of like outside meta involving. And now if it's going to be restricting of like fittings and drop suits, then I think that'll definitely be, uh, I mean, not 100%, we don't know yet, but it'll, I think it'll be a, a thing of, you know, you know, hard countering different types of suits and stuff because you already know what they're going to bring like two weeks before what they're even going to bring type of deal. So. No, and that's actually an extremely good point. You know, the spy game, so to speak, that if you know about what they're going to bring, then you can... In theory, you know, um, this is like you said, very meta, but you could in theory figure out, okay, where are the holes in their their group com? What 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 roles are they going to be weak in? What situations are they going to be weak in? And you can exploit the hell out of that. So 
by exactly. limiting it, it, you can you can find you know potential cracks in, in in their strategy if you can get your hands on the information, um, and then actually make that you know part of your your plan. Like okay, so like you said, they're they're weak at defending you know tight spaces because they don't have many you know people bringing um, sentinel fits or whatever. So what do you do? You drag them into the kind of situation they're not going to build a counter win and you're going to decimate them. So, I mean, that's, that's, that's kind of what these games are, are all about, right? It's kind of that, that meta that's, you know, spying and, and finding hard counters and stuff like that. So that, that's a very good point. And I think this could actually kind of yield um, some more interesting gameplay. It might take away from some of the extreme flexibility people might be used to, um, which could be a good or bad thing. Like I said, it kind of matters what your play style is, but it could also yield some some interesting gameplay. So again, I, I'm curious to see how this actually plays out. It could be a really cool thing. I I, I do hope it is, because I think that'd be, be a good addition to the game. I think it's uh, more towards like more um, uh, dedicated and more like concentrated groups of people who are, you know, pseudo serious about the game instead of just like random puppies who just want to have a game or two type of deal. So, definitely contending to the fans who are you know kind of dedicated to the game but it also you know helps out like you know the people who just want to play a couple games one or two that you don't know, really care about the meta game they just want to sit down and play the game type of deal for sure for sure so yeah i think that's about what i've got for drop suit progression um not really sure what topic we're going to cover next week but were there any questions about this before we kind of move along uh, i don't have anything Okay, sounds good. Um, so yeah, real few quick things uh, kind of before we close this one up. We're, we're already past the hour mark, so I'm not going to drag it on too long and, and drive Zell insane. But uh, uh, Memorial Day is actually kind of usually got some pretty good game deals that are running. So I kind of want to just do a quick rundown of some of the ones that I've spotted, which are, are you know, uh, might be good to kind of check out if you've been kind of holding off and picking them up uh, this weekend. Might This week might be a good time to actually, you know, jump on that. So um First of all, Overwatch Game of the Year Edition. If you're an Xbox Live Gold member, 20 bucks off. Uh, Overwatch Origins Edition for PS4, Xbox One, or PC is only $40. I think it's normally $60, so that's a pretty good deal. Uh, Final Fantasy XV, uh, $34 on PS4 or $32 on Xbox One if you buy it on Amazon. Uh, Life is Strange Complete Season is $7 on Amazon for a digital download, uh, but it is actually free for PlayStation Plus in the month of June, so we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, Elder Scrolls Online for Xbox One is $8. Um, so that's the Elder Scrolls uh, MMO game. Uh, that's for the $8 bucks on the Microsoft Store. And Star Wars Battlefront Ultimate Edition is $20 for PS4 and Xbox One on Amazon. So a couple of really good ones out there, a few games we've talked about. Um, pretty good deal on Overwatch, or if you were thinking about you know Final Fantasy or, or Star Wars, I mean, those are all also really, really cheap for, uh, for those games. So good stuff to hop on. Uh, now we, every week we do our kind of our freebie game review. Uh, this was Bates week. Uh, unfortunately he could not make it. So, uh, we are not going to have one for you this week. I do apologize for that. However, uh, there are, they have released what games are going to be available for PlayStation plus and Xbox gold members for the month of June. Uh, so for PlayStation plus, uh, I only have the PS4 ones. Uh, we'll get back to you next week with PS3 and the Vita titles, but the PS4 ones are killing floor two, which is a kind of a zombie co-op game. Um, Got really, really good reviews in 2016. Uh, definitely going to pick that one up and give it a shot. Uh, and then Life is Strange, which is kind of a, 
Um, I don't want to say like a telltale game, but it's a very stories driven game published by Square Enix. It kind of follows this girl who has the ability to uh, reverse time at any given moment. And it kind of follows this butterfly effect where you're trying to, you know, make events play out in such a way that you get a positive result in the end. So that one also looks really good. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, for Xbox One Gold games, you've got Speedrunners, which is a racing game, and Watch Dogs, which is kind of that uh, GTA-style hacking game that came out a few years back. Um, that is available on Xbox One. For Xbox 360, which um, are also backwards compatible on Xbox One, uh, you got Assassin's Creed 3 and Dragon Age Origins. So uh, a few older titles, but you know, if, even if you don't have an Xbox 360 you got an Xbox One, those should work for you on Xbox One. Um, we'll get Bait to try out a couple of those and, and give his thoughts, and then next week I'll probably do uh, either Killing Floor or Life is Strange and, and let you guys know how those are. Was there anything else before you guys wanted to close this one up? No, pretty good uh, Pretty good roundup, actually. The, um, the I'm trying to think if there's any other... Uh, random PS Plus games they've been looking at. Um, probably the next thing I will dig into is looking into Elder Scrolls uh, Morrowind, uh, which I think is coming out uh, in about a week, week and a half. Yeah, that looks real good. I, I was seeing the uh, the trailers. My dad's like, oh, that movie looks cool. I'm like, it's it's a game. Dad, sorry. <laughs> You're out of luck. Um, but that looks that looks pretty cool. I'll be good to get your thoughts on that one. Uh, well, st- uh, just, uh, I've got some stuff for my Eve Online dudes. Uh- the Strategic Cruise uh, Tech 3 focus group uh, just came out today, I think. Yeah, it came out today. Um, so if you want to add some stuff to the Tech 3 focus group, there is a link to the people who are in the Tech 3 uh, focus group in one of the, if you just Google online, EVE Online Tech 3 discussion, uh, talk to one of those dudes. and Or you can talk to the CSM if you want to do, if you want to ask about some Tech 3 stuff. Uh, tech three changes, all that, all that jazz. Uh, nothing is final as of yet. There's no um, no details on it yet, but there is some initial discussion. So if you want to talk about some tech three stuff that you might think is a good idea, uh, let those guys know or let the CSM. And also, the O seven show came out today, and it's on YouTube. <laughs> That's all I've got. <laughs> all right, sounds good. So we're gonna kind of roll into some shout outs here then. We're doing some for a close. Um, Zell is actually. You know, mark the record. Zell is actually ready with a shout I ha- out. I have, with I have a shout link. Outs. No, I've, I've edited it. He's good it. to I've, go. I have two links now. Okay, so, you're um, up. Actually, just this morning, I watched the uh, last two episodes of uh, season five of uh, Arrow, and I have two uh, Arrow-related uh, news stories that I thoroughly enjoyed reading about. Uh, one of them is from a uh, blogger on uh, Blaster, which is Sci-Fi Channel's like te- like Sci-Fi blog site. Um, and this is this is uh, this Riley Silverman wrote an article called "The Chosen One of the Day: The One Person in Star City Who Still Doesn't Know Oliver Queen as the Green Arrow." Um, and it, it talks about all the different people, organizations, etc., that all know that he's the Green Arrow. And then it concludes with like, but then there's you. You who voted for Mayor Oliver Queen because you liked his stance on healthcare and city parks and because you're the kind of good civics nerd who always votes even in local elections. I bet your name is Gary. You seem like a Gary. Um, it's just it's just a great little comedy comedy piece opinion. Um, and then the, the other thing that I noted uh, that was really cool is uh, for uh, Red Nose Day, uh, they set up the uh, American Ninja Warrior um, set and had a bunch of different celebrities trying it to raise money for charity. 
Um, and uh, Stephen Amell, who plays Oliver Queen on Arrow, um, and I guess does try and do a lot of his own stunts and stuff, basically just murdered the American Ninja Warrior set without like any effort at all. He j- he just went right through it like it was nothing. Um, and that was really cool. All right, sounds good. So uh, reload, you're up, man. Shout out for this week. Uh, shout out to all the CCP dudes, and shout out to all the Eve Online guys, and shout out to the this five form. 14 people who are just waiting on Project Nova. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, we'll have to get you on. Um, this is kind of last minute pulling you in here, but we'll get you on to kind of talk CSM and what's going on with Eve and, and kind of give the insight because uh, it'd be interesting to kind of have you on and, and get more in depth with it. But uh, do appreciate you coming on this week. Sure, no problem, man. Uh, Jay, you're up. Cool. Uh, shout outs to uh, Greg Allman. Uh, he passed away at age 69. Uh, here, in the last 24 hours or so, uh, America generally doesn't offer much to the culture of the world, or at least the cultural history of the world. Two things that are actually uniquely original to, uh, to the United States of America in our relatively short history. Uh, one is the comic book, uh, the comic book superhero to be specific. And two is some of the specific types of music that we generate. Uh, and if you listen to the Biomass show for more than, you know, couple, three episodes, you'll know, we tend to talk about a little bit of all that. Uh, and then of the, of music specifically, how we, uh, how we framed and developed blues and rock and roll and the many offshoots of that, uh, that's a uniquely American thing. So on Memorial day, uh, we're, we're here to podcast or well, Memorial day weekend, we're talking about, uh, you know, video games, which, often, you know, circulates in the nerd realm of, uh, you know, superheroes, which we talked about earlier in the show. Uh, and I want to pay a quick homage to uh, Greg Allman, who was truly one of the pioneers of blues and uh, rock and roll music that I grew up with. Uh, and he uh, passed away from liver cancer, surrounded by friends and family. Uh, and many, many, many songs that many of which you likely don't even know that you're listening to an Almond Brothers song because the primary audience we have here is significantly younger than me in my age 42. So um, that is a, uh, that's my shout out for the night is uh, Greg Almond and uh, wherever you are, brother, I hope you have a cold one for me. You know, Jay, you have the most uh, positive <laughs> shout outs lately with this week and last week together. Um, and it is a real shame to, to, you know, continue to lose people that are, are very talented and, and contribute quite a lot to, uh, you know, the sort of stuff that we're interested in and then, you know, culture and that sort of thing. So, you know, definitely shout out to him. Um, my shout out is going to be to, uh, I've been doing a lot of writing for the blog lately. So everyone who's kind of been proofreading, uh, bouncing ideas around with, make sure I'm not, you know, totally blowing smoke out my ass more than I normally am. So, you know, like Leather's been good. Ripley Riley, Zell, of course, has been proofreading a lot of stuff for me. I do appreciate you guys um, kind of helping me out. I'm really bad at proofreading. So uh, I do appreciate, you know, helping get content out on the site and have accept people to read. Uh, also, shout out to Libby. She hasn't been with us for a while, but uh, her and I have had a lot of fun doing the Dungeon Crawl series together. Um, we're getting pretty close, I think, to the end of Resident Evil 7. I'm, I'm a little sad because it's been a lot of fun, but, uh, you know, it's it's been a lot of fun doing that with her and with her commentary and stuff, so shout out to her. Uh, but, yeah, so that being said, guys, I think we're, we're pretty good here. Uh, again, please have a safe Memorial Day weekend, or when you hear this, I, I hope you had a safe Memorial Day weekend. Uh, but, yeah. If you want to be on the show, um, just let us know. We had two new guests this week, which is pretty fun. Um, 
just kind of they kind of hopped in the Discord channel like, hey, can I get in there? And we pulled them on in. It was it was good stuff. And of course, if you have any topics you want us to cover, any games you want us to play or review or, or stream or record or whatever, do let us know. We're more than willing to kind of give it a shot and uh, you know get that content out there for you guys. So shout out to everyone. Um, I do appreciate it. So everyone, please have a safe weekend and good night.